And for God's sakes, Cooper Cup over any of it. <laughs> Please, that's I will the theme. Keep of banging this. this drum until he is 95% owned. All right, welcome in everybody. It is the uh, Big Swingers podcast, your go-to for fantasy golf. Wait, oh, hold on. That's not the one we're doing this week, right? It's, it's Dungeon Grinders. We're doing Dungeon Grinders for yeah, all yeah. Summer's this is the first fans. ever episode yeah. of Dungeon Grinders. Yeah, no, yeah, for our still Summer's no podcast. Oh, oh, yeah, it's important. Okay, the important no, nonsense. Fantasy football. Okay. Sorry, my bad, everyone. Still? Yeah, still, still, we're still doing that. Somehow, it's still football, despite. <sighs> Despite what people on. tell us, football is actually happening. I, I don't, I didn't realize. Uh, yeah, it's it's been brutal <laughs> these first two weeks. I'd honestly rather do big swingers. Can we do big swingers? You think Spieth's got what it takes to make it up in the points? I mean, <laughs> I I think he's got the talent for sure. It's just a matter of can he. Yeah. You know what? We'll save that for the actual big swingers. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Sure, we'll, sure. I mean, we'll get there at some point. Yeah, it's just uh. It's just so little content. The actual NFL, <laughs> like. Yeah. Points per game in the NFL, last three years, 22.7, 22.6, 22.5 points per game per team, and uh, this year so far, 20.3. So scoring down across the board, fantasy scoring also down across the board. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're searching for things to, to fill our time, our time otherwise. Did you see Denver got selected to be on the short list for the Hyperloop? The Hyperloop is basically those tubes from Futurama. But uh, but it's more like you get on this train and it goes down this, like, light system and it's encased in this, like, tube. So the first one's going to go from uh, Denver to Vail. And Denver to Vail right now, I can tell you, is, uh, is like an hour and a half, but it could take us... As long as four hours because of all the traffic and because of bad weather. They're saying with the Hyperloop, nine minutes. And you could be from Denver to Boulder in like four. And I'm like, damn, if you could do that, that's crazy. Like, this is just the test case. What he wants to do is he wants to build them like all around the world. So you could go from like New York to London. Right. In like 12 minutes. Sure, yeah. That seems terrifying to me. Which also, TSA security for this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's only going to be nine minutes and it's going to be a short ride, but then the lines to get in and it's going to be airport style security to get in, too. I would have to believe that. So that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, is it really eight, nine it minutes? But it, like, is it, okay, so when you get there, too, you probably just walk off. It's fine. Because but... look, I mean, my cynical brain, the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to rob a bank and then immediately <laughs> get on this thing and be millions of miles away in 15 minutes. Cause they could also just take the Hyperloop to wherever you were, though. Like, so you could run to Mexico City, but then they're right. still going to be there for you when, right. when you get there. I mean, they're If you know which one you. I was on, yeah. Yeah, you could get to a scenario where if I was in Shanghai, I could rob a bank and then get to Stockholm yep. and deposit the money into my Swiss bank account before yeah. anybody could ever prosecute me, right? Yeah, before anyone would figure out which one I was in, yeah. Uh-huh. And then I could get from Stockholm to somewhere where they don't have extradition laws, and I could still get to my Swiss bank account. Exactly. It's a crime ahead of its time there, man. That's some, like, time cop minority report you got like, going on there. That's literally, like, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah, maybe I'm just f***ing boring, because all I could think about was, like, man, I could get around so much more efficiently this way, and, like, things over here like, I'm going to rob everyone in the face. Do you have any idea? <laughs> You're like, well, grocery shopping's gonna be so much easier. <laughs> it's just like, man, I can live here and I can work wherever I want. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh-huh. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Steve's like, I'm robbing banks, <laughs> and I'm escaping faster than ever before. The new Hyperloop and a new era of crime. 
the football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. As usual, Thursday night barn burner. Get those color rush uniforms out, because we are all jacked for Rams, Niners, you know, this huge West Coast battle that's been out on the West Coast for so long. Whew. The Rams, Niners, interdivision matchup, because they always, the NFL, I think, loves us yeah. so much that they're like, that's so fine, much. the worst division matchup to put on Thursday night every week and just do that. But I mean, they love us, go. but they love money more. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so uh, the Niners, professionally bad at football still. It's so bad people are calling for C.J. Bathard behind Brian Hoyer. That's how bad things have gotten in San Francisco. There's no analysis here other than, for the love of God, pick up Cooper Cup, people. I don't know what it is yeah. the man has to do Why are you to finally to get rostered. Points? Why do you hate fantasy points? The number one receiver Cup, on the Rams. Fantasy. Pick him up. Jeez. Outside of that, it's the Rams winning this game, and I'm done. That's it. The Rams are going to just school the 49ers on Thursday night. and you know, I don't even know that we need to watch it. That's one of the few times I'm going to tell you, don't watch the game, just look at the box score. Sunday morning, Jags in their annual home game in London. You want to crown them? Then crown their I'm going with crown because it's the only thing I got for London. So that's, we'll, we'll run with that because... Uh, well, I figured you were just drunk again on the podcast and drinking Either Crown one. Royal over there. Maybe it's all the same. Maybe it is. The uh, the Ravens, for their first ever trip across the pond, the big question for them is the run game. Uh, Terrence West was the main guy last week, but Buck Allen, because of PPR, had a lot of value, and then West leaving in the third quarter with the injury. So it's a matter of do you buy Buck Allen in that Danny Woodhead role? To an extent play Buck Allen if you got him. I think you probably have to at this point, given that running back has gone full dumpster fire already by week two, the whole position. I buy the roll. I have all year. The roll mm-hmm. is solid. Exactly. They throw a lot of dump-off passes in Baltimore. The roll has value no matter who is in the roll. Give me whoever is going to be the pass-catching Raven running back. That happens to be Javorius Buck Allen at the moment. However, as we've seen over his career, he's not actually that good at football. My hesitation there is, as you said, Buck Allen not good at football. And then it's my same argument for do you buy into the Ravens' defense. The first two weeks they've played the Bengals and the Browns, which are not only division matchups but are bad teams. So it's a small sample size against teams that we know aren't good. How much of that plays into what he's done so far? Then the reason I've been on the, the Ravens' defense all season from the preseason till now is because of their weak schedule. And I think that they still have something left in the tank on that side of the ball. They were decimated by injuries last year, which a lot of people seem to have forgotten about. So now that they're all back healthy and playing together, they're leading the league through the first two weeks in turnovers, and they get Blake Bortles. So, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, how could you not love that? Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, the one last thing on this game is do you buy into any pass catcher for Blake Bortles other than, you know, the cornerbacks for the Ravens? 
And that was my question to you. Do you are you in, are you still interested in either Hearns or Lee? And if so, what's the order? Marquise Lee is the guy I would take if I was desperate and needed a yes. fifth or sixth wide receiver with upside. I'm not starting either one on a weekly basis. No. Don't but yeah, if don't you're in a super deep league here. and you're absolutely desperate, Lee is the guy I would rather have. So I think Lee at some point will have value, and I think Hearns are literally banking he, on I mean, him he had 14 points last week. He's already got value now. It's just I yeah, don't know if I, he can get it consistently. That's that's the issue. And I think at some point there might be upside for more if they could ever get the offense moving. I've got Jacksonville in the upset in this game because Jacksonville plays this game every year in London. They've got it down to a science. So they play very well in London, typically, and I think they're going to actually show up, and that defense is going to give the Ravens' offense fits for most of the day. Yeah, give me Jacksonville in what is effectively a home game for them, which is way against how the public sees that game. So I'm taking what I view as a significant upset pick on that one. And I do think it will be a close, legitimate game, but I have the Ravens. You know, I'm we're, we're splitting instantly. After last week, we went a lot of the same instant yeah. split pretty much here. Sunday afternoon, we have Atlanta going to Detroit to take on the Lions. Lions looked solid on Monday night, moved the ball pretty effectively against a good Giants defense, while the Falcons picked apart the Packers' D, which, I mean, it's the Packers' defense, so that that was kind of expected. Uh, The Falcons are clicking on all cylinders right now. That being said, they've only played the Bears and the Packers, so they haven't really been tested yet. And the young Detroit secondary has held up through their first two games. This is going to be their biggest test of the year so far, for sure. Yeah, and I'm not buying Detroit's defense just yet. Shut down Matt Ryan on Sunday, and we'll talk, potentially. But they're still young. I think they're going to get torched by the Falcons. Uh, For me, I think that some of these injuries Atlanta has taken, especially on the defensive side of the ball, are going to catch up with them a little bit. I think they might be coming off of that Sunday night game against the Packers, their home opener. Now they're traveling on the road, and Detroit's feeling good. I've got the Lions uh, holding on, taking the upset at home. They seem to be clicking right now, and it's not so much that I buy into their D, so much that I think Atlanta is more vulnerable than people believe. And the way that Detroit's offense is moving the ball, it's, it's just tough for anybody to stop them right now. So... Detroit typically likes to start the year red hot and then fall apart. I'm, I've got oh, yeah. them sticking with their, their red hot trend here and upsetting the Falcons at home this week. Okay, two splits. Denver going to Buffalo. The Trevor Simeon phenomenon Come on, split this one is with upon me too. us. I need the points. He, is, <laughs> he is absolutely flirting with being semi-mediocre. Do you buy the new and seemingly improved Trevor Simeon? To an extent, which is apparently my new catchphrase. <laughs> he was 5-1 and one before he got hurt last year with, on a worse offense, and now they got Mike McCoy calling the plays, which is, all, which is an obvious upgrade over anybody that was doing that job for them last year. So, a little bit. It's two games. It's not really enough of a sample size for me. This is what I was talking about all offseason and into the preseason with you, is that if you can keep him upright behind a halfway okay offensive line and they could learn to run the ball again, their defense is still good enough. They're going to be in these games. Yeah. They're not amazing. But they're going to be playing, and they took it to the Cowboys the other day. So, yeah, I've got Denver going on the road and taking it to Buffalo. I'm not, you know, I'm buying it to an extent. If you're asking me if I want to go out and blow my fab budget to go roster Trevor Simeon, I think what's what's 
let's pump our brakes a little on that idea. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm buying Simeon in the fact that he seems more competent than usual. It's good if you're a Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders or even C.J. Anderson owner, but for a fantasy standpoint, you still don't want Trevor Simeon. The biggest issue with them, as I was, we were saying all in the preseason, is the line. Can the offensive mm-hmm. line block for C.J. Anderson? Can they give Simeon enough time to get the ball to those receivers? And then they lose their first-round pick, who was playing well through the first two games this year in Garrett Bowles. So he's got a bone bruise. He's week-to-week. But that does matter because for all the nice things we just said about Trevor Simeon, eh, we'll see if they can do it with with one of their O-line members down. That's going to be way harder for them. Yep, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and fulfill your wishes, Neil, because I've got the Bills taking the upset here. I think the Broncos are going to come in cocky, and the Bills are going to hold serve at home. And, sure. Uh, I'm just going to get all these Bronco wins all year long. It's all going to be the it's, split between you just, us all yeah, year. Exactly. You can, you're going to beat me by like 10 Bronco points at the end of the season. And I'm all right <laughs> with that. Uh, Pittsburgh heading to Chicago to bludgeon the Bears. It's going to be a, uh, a rough day if you're a Chicago <laughs> fan. Dead. We saw the Bears take. Well, I mean, did we see the Bears take on Don't the Bucks? Don't watch this. This is the other one. Go outside. Go Maybe read a book. It was mostly just, like, Jameis Winston picking apart people that they found out of the stands. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. <laughs> they're, they're horrendous. Didn't even yeah. barely qualify as a game. Because for it to be a game, by definition, you have to have some level of competition. Right. And there really wasn't it. As for the Bears' backfield, uh, Jordan Howard played this game, but he was banged up and was on a clear snap count. He was ineffective. Tariq Cohen got the job pretty much all to himself for most of the second half of that game. And as we were saying before, it's he's a guy you want to own anyway because he's going to be a PPR monster this year and have a role. But if Howard is out, it just makes his value even bigger than it already was. So if for some reason he's still available, uh, as of yesterday he was 52% owned in leagues, then uh, be, be sure to go out and pick him up because he's a guy yeah. that you need to have whether you're a Howard owner or not. Even in a 10-team league, potentially, we're getting into that territory. Even in a 10-team league, week in and week out, he's got flex value. Right. If Howard is saying. out, he's, he's got RB2 RB upside. Two, yeah, at least. Yeah. You might get, you might hit the lottery and he could go higher than that, I suppose, but that would be, that's a stretch to me just because of how bad the Bears offense actually is. Yeah, but I mean, Howard is in the RB1 discussion. That's true. So if we're saying Cohen has a strong skill set and he has the job all to himself, it's not crazy to think that in the right matchup, Tariq Cohen could be an RB1. Yeah, so especially if Howard's going to be banged up in this significant time. Okay, well, that's that's all the more reason then. Exactly. He's going to be the third down back. He's their pass catcher. He's going to be on the field in obvious passing situations. And given what Which we saw on Sunday, lot. there's going to be a lot of obvious passing situations with this team. There's only one analysis for the other side. Of them. And even though it's the road, start all your Steelers. Expect big things because history be damned, the the Steelers will not go into Chicago and lose. I will guarantee Home you road that splits right now. Aside, feel free to just play your Steelers. Give me Pittsburgh. That's really yep. it. You and me both. Tickle fight of the weekend. Cleveland heading S- to Indy to take on the Colts. Who wants it less, Neil? This game is going to be the only game they show on red zone. Because they're just going to be so bad that they're just going to be in each other's red zone the whole day. Jacoby Brissett. Battle of the You're going to learn some. We're going to we're going to learn. We're going to learn about some of these uh, some unknown people here because Cleveland is going to be playing their practice squad because they're already all hurt. (laughs) 
and uh, and Indy is just bad. So you're going to probably see some people that you're like, who is that guy? So first on the home side of the ball, thank God Jacoby Brissett looked competent because yeah. it couldn't get much worse yeah. than Scott Tolzien. But Jacoby Brissett comes in, and as a T.Y. Hilton owner, just thank you. <laughs> Thank you for finally at least That's knowing he's on the field. That's all T.Y. Hilton owners in the world clapping in unison there. Ugh. <laughs> Looking like an NFL. Such <laughs> Kobe Brissett saving, yep. saving fantasy hopes and dreams everywhere. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, at least now he's a wide receiver too. He's not the wide receiver yeah. one you were hoping, but at least yeah, now at he's least got the talent. And he's yeah. got a quarterback that can actually throw the ball semi-decently. So, still sticking with T.Y. Old man Gore, still sticking with him week in and week out until Marlon Mack officially takes over that job. Again, if you're a Gore owner, Mack is someone you need to have on your bench because that's just a matter of time. at this. If point. at all possible, yes, you should be trying to do that. And on the other side of the ball, the injuries are the issue. For the Browns. First of all, I mean, big shock. As we said all preseason, what what is the hype with Kenny Britt? You trust Kenny Britt and he screws you. And here we are, and people yep. are stunned. Yeah, no, it's there, no Kenny, the hype on Kenny Britt was clearly overblown. Corey Coleman got hurt, so then you had literally the guy they called up from the practice squad leading the team in targets, receptions, and yards. And yeah. at the end of the game, they were running three wide receiver sets, and Kenny Britt was sitting on the bench. They didn't yeah. even want him in the game for three wide receiver sets. He likes sets. the orange Gatorade. He likes the orange one. It's it's. Uh, if you know, for it's some just, reason you, know. you drafted Kenny Britt, then first of all, you weren't listening to us. But second of all, you can go I ahead and drop it. that right now yeah. because that's completely like a useless. Hot potato. And then also figure out a way to scrub your transaction log. If you could pick up a second kicker for Kenny Britt, that's a valuable investment. But it, of these guys that are remaining, is there someone yes. you actually want on the Browns receiving core? Is, is it not even a receiver? Is it David Njoku? Yeah, I, I actually I think it might be Richard Higgins. <laughs> Yeah. I think it might actually be that simple, folks. And there's not a whole lot of depth. Like, Duke Johnson was already going to be owned. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, maybe Duke Johnson's value goes up a little bit, but not that much. And I, they're going to need another receiver. I mean, you can't just keep throwing it to Njoku over and over, even though maybe he gets a few more targets. But if Higgins is going to look like he did last week, which was okay, you're telling me that there's that kind of opportunity. Maybe you got something there. So the pass-catching running back, Duke Johnson, as you mentioned, everybody pretty much already had. He's basically 100% owned at this point. It's not somebody you're going to go out and pick up anyway, and nobody's going to get rid of him at this point because now he's in the receiving game as well, which you kind of figured would eventually happen. The only issue here is Crowell. He was the you know, run dominant guy. He was the between the tackles at behind that strong offensive line. Is Isaiah Crowell's rough start something you're worrying about if you're a Crowell owner? I mean, for me personally at this point, yeah. A little bit. Just because they've rebuilt that O line. They were supposed to be a running team and yet they're still just hucking it down the field because they're losing so badly in most of these games that you kinda of just get pigeonholed, you know. You'd love to establish a run game, but when you're already down by fourteen <laughs> It's it's kind of tough. So, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Crowell because he clearly is not going to be out there to catch passes. In PPR, obviously, it's not great for Crowell, but I was high on on him the same as Frank Gore. 
in it's a bad offense that's kind of relearning everything that's going on. The difference is with Crowell, he actually has an offensive line to run behind. And the first two weeks, you had the Steelers and the Ravens, who both have decent front sevens in their division, who are familiar with what they're trying to do in Cleveland and are familiar with his whole situation. So my thought is I would stand pat with Crowell because based on where you probably had to draft him, you probably don't have many better options anyway. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting you cut him or try to trade him or anything. No, I'm saying, yeah, if you can find yeah. someone out there who's panicking on Crowell and is willing to give him up for dirt cheap, if you can lowball somebody, mm-hmm. I would definitely go out and pick up Crowell if you can find him available. Because I think for the rest of the year, he's got a ton of value, and you're not going to be able to get him cheap after this weekend because he should just destroy that Colts defense. Yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that at all that's a uh that's a good take yeah it's not a bad idea because because with that offensive line with the volume he's gonna get and against the colts defense this weekend it's gonna be hard to hide behind that anymore like he could put up his season total from the first two games (laughs) just this week (laughs) against the colts entirely possible so I'll take the reverse side of that, though, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, which if he can't do it against this this week against Indy, are you starting to eyebrow raise, maybe thinking about think about it a little bit differently after this week? It would depend on my other options, obviously, mm-hmm. but probably not. I mean, this is still probably a guy that, based on volume, workload, and that line. And the amount I mean, you probably had to pay to get it. Yeah. In the, in the, in the, like to get value back out of it is going to be exactly. hard. If you have other options, then maybe you can put him on the bench for a week or two until he proves it to get back in your starting lineup. But as I said, I, I think the the floor is just too high. Running back is so thin that if you have that many running backs, you are probably playing in some sort of 10-team league or something. Because even in a 12-team league, I don't see how you're going to have better options week to week than Groel just because of how many touches he's going to get. And by the way, this circles back to my original point I was going to say is once again, the zero RB philosophy pans out for everybody that wanted to do that <laughs> because the hype on running backs every year to this uh, point, uh. <laughs> to this point, anyone that has drafted early wide receivers is sitting pretty because <laughs> the early running backs have all been beat up or have not played well. So yep. it's, uh, pretty much. it's yeah, the year of the wide receiver once again to this point. But in this game, in the tickle fight of the weekend, I am taking the Browns. On the road, yeah, getting that first I kind of figured you were going to do that. I'm sticking with my philosophy: is no wins until Andrew Luck comes back. That's yep. It. And I'm going to do the least surprising thing of all time: give me the fight in Jacoby Brissett's to embarrass a bad Cleveland team. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be soul crushing when Indy wins this game, 18 to 14. AFC East division battle: the Jets hosting Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. The Jets' run game has looked terrible. The past game has had a ton of volume in it, though, because, you know, obviously they're just bad. The run game is terrible. On this entire offense for the New York Jets, is anyone usable? Is there anybody that you're still interested in here? Uh, Jermaine Curse, beginning and end of list. Okay. And I'd really like to see him prove it to me again, but for a dollar on a fab budget, if Uh I need a guy to throw at the end of my receivers, I will take a shot on Curse. For a very inexpensive, or like if I had like the 12 of 12 waiver pickup and I needed a guy, I'll roll the dice on Curse, Curse having a resurgence with the Jets because they have nothing else. Sure. I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, I had four people queued up ahead of them 
in my waivers and I ended up getting him because everybody else went and I'm fine with that because, like you said, he's got upside. I said in the preseason it was interesting because he's clearly the number one. He was a talented number two in Seattle, and now it's basically the job all to himself. And it's just going to take him a week or two to learn the playbook, and then once he does, he'll certainly be fantasy relevant. And uh, it was faster than I ever expected it to be because week one he had 10 points and looked competent, and then week two he blew up for 20. So So he might actually just be better than we were giving him credit for, and now because he's got no competition – he right. actually gets to demonstrate kind of what he can do. And the fact that they're constantly throwing the ball because they're constantly behind. The only issue with his value is I think it's dependent on McCown. Because once he goes down, we already know the disaster sitting behind him on the bench. So if McCown is out, it obviously affects how I view Jermaine Curse. But as long as he's still there, then he's a wide receiver too, probably. He's in the conversation at least. He's on the board. He might. He's more likely to flex to me. He's in like the twenty-five-ish range. He's right, right on the border. He's, closer to, he's, a, he's a solid flex every week, and some weeks he might be wide receiver two for you. Dolphins were really clicking in their first game. You know, after the bye, super rested. So the passing game was really interesting because Parker made some incredible catches, yeah, and Landry good. got a huge amount of value. So between the two, which one would you rather have? Is it your boy Jarvis Landry, or are you riding the Devontae Parker train? For me, it's still Landry, especially in PPR, which is the standard format. So that's how most of my answers are. Just as a reminder, that's how most of these go. But the gap is getting closer. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to take the reverse on that, simply because of our years of watching Jay Cutler play football and his love yeah, that is for the tall, term. wide receivers and just this is hucking why the it down is the field. So much closer. But you could see there was a couple of plays when he targeted Landry in the end zone and the ball just went straight over his head because he's too short and Jay Cutler's trying to throw it to a six foot ten guy when Landry's only like six feet. And then in the fourth quarter you saw the play where he threw the ball to Parker and it was basically directly to the defender in classic Jay Cutler style. And oh, Parker yeah, just yeah. went over the guy's back and took it away. And ran up the field for a 30-yard gain. I.e. Elshon Jeffrey a couple years ago. Exactly. Yeah, that type of stuff is what Jay Cutler loves. And because of that, I think he's just going to be feeding him as much as humanly possible. Especially in the red zone, which is, that's how you make your fantasy money right there. And then the one thing I forgot to mention, if you invested in Belial Powell, similar to the Crowell situation, are you panicking? Are you looking for other options? Or are you still holding tough? <laughs> Look, you know, you know how I feel about Blah Powell. I'm really not a fan <laughs> at all. Uh, it, it, it's so hard to say that I'd be panicking because I, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a guy whose floor could be easily just zero. And I want to say that just because of how atrocious that offense could be. Right, yeah. My whole argument going into it was uh, Belial Powell was one of those popular zero RB targets. He's a guy you could get in the sixth or seventh round and have as your number two potentially running back uh, to go with you know somebody else you got a round or two earlier and then a, a bunch of stud wide receivers. If that's your situation and you went into it knowing, okay, Powell's a guy where the floor is six points and the ceiling is ten, if you were relying on Belial Powell to win you your week every week, you were in it for the wrong yeah, reasons you were already, to begin with. Yeah, you were you, already, you were already up you know, that creek without a paddle. It's just... <laughs> So you you had some major issues to begin with. In that regard, 
I'm not giving up on Powell just because it's just he's the same guy he's always been. Yeah, it is the same guy. Like you said, running back is just so decimated right now, and the consistency is there. It's just he's not a guy that's going to win you a week. All right, so for this game, pick skin, pick em. I am taking the Dolphins on the road. As am I. Comfortably. Tampa Bay heading to Minnesota. The storyline last week, as we didn't even know, the inflammation in the knee for Sam Bradford caused him to miss the game. So when it was Case Keenum, it wasn't much of a game at all in Pittsburgh, which we kind of figured it wouldn't be anyway, but Case Keenum just made it that much worse. And then Bradford, it looks like he's on pace to play this week, but we thought that last week, so who knows. If he does play, it obviously makes a huge difference for you know the rest of the Vikings. In terms of Diggs, Rudolph, all those guys, and the skill position players for fantasy, as for the actual game itself, does Bradford playing really matter in in who you have winning this game one way or the other? No, I have Tampa. Yeah, I have Tampa either way because I think Tampa's a superior team. Houston going to New England, another short one. The Texans and their battered, beaten team, the MASH unit that is the Houston Texans, goes to New England for their annual beating. So, I mean, they're, they're going to get the living hell beat out of them, and there's no real, I mean, analysis here. Watson looked good last week against the Bengals, but it was the Bengals, and the record speaks for itself about Bill Belichick destroying rookie QBs. You're clearly scared if you're a DeAndre Hopkins owner. If you have another option, yeah. you may want to go that way. Probably don't have a better option than Lamar Miller, but... Temper expectations slightly, I would think. Speaking of which, if you do have Lamar Miller, Donta Foreman, someone you certainly want to own on your bench. He's the clear-cut yeah. handcuff. Oh, yeah. He's looked good. On New England side, the uh, the biggest question is, you know, James White out of the backfield. He's been the most consistent mm-hmm. back the first two weeks, and it's it's Patriots running backs. Do you trust James White on a weekly basis in your lineup? Well, you just said it, Patriots running backs. They're right. all lottery tickets. He's clearly out snapping Rex Burkhead. So I think we can bury that narrative now. But I would think that if you have James White, what you're actually looking at is probably a consideration at RB2 most weeks and maybe a flex certain other weeks just on the upside of it. With Gillisley, he's the goal line guy. He right, ha- we know that. He's, know he's been amassing job. yardage. Uh, but mainly his purpose is to be in there for the goal line carries to push it over the line in the LeGarrette-Blunt type role from the past few years. If you have Mike Gillisley and can find someone to take him, this is the time to trade him because three touchdowns in the first week, three touchdowns, and he scored you 22 points. He scored a touchdown last week, and he got you 12. It is not sustainable to rely on him week in and week out to keep diving into the end zone. So yeah, if you can find someone to offload Mike Gillisley, if you can get anything back for it, this is the perfect yeah, time to it. sell high. Do because it now. we've seen Burkhead cut out on the outside as a wide receiver more than anything. And we've seen Dion Lewis randomly pop up in the middle of field and the drives in like the late second quarter, early third when it doesn't really matter just to, like, spell the other guys. James White is out there on every passing situation. He's on every third down. He gets spread out wide as a receiver, just like Burkhead did. He's the guy with the most consistent role on the offense. So while I don't know what I can actually get out of him every week, I think the floor is still seven or eight points, and the ceiling we know is huge because it's the Patriots. Again, like you said, it's an RB2 with huge upside. 
Yeah. So this is the Patriots, and it's a game I'll try to watch as little of as possible as a Texans fan. Yeah, it's the Patriots, and uh, unfortunately for you, it's probably going to be on the red zone a lot. Yeah, I just want to say thank God for Andy Dalton, because 0-3 would have been bad. <laughs> Saints going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. The Saints, again, I mean, it's the same thing they have been year in and year out. But they it's, are who we I'm, thought they were. I'm going to run out the use of this button on, I was gonna the, say. on the soundboard here. It's just over and over again. Because it's strong offense and horrendous, terrible, horrific defense. Yep. Every year. Every year. Sean Payton just loves what he loves. It feels like Groundhog Day, though, doesn't it? Like the movie Groundhog Day? Like you're just trapped in this horrible Mobius strip with the Saints every year where it just continues to repeat itself. Offense puts up huge points. Defense gives up huge points. Saints start 0-2 for like the fourth straight year. Sean Payton manages to not get fired. Yeah. Meanwhile, the hatred for Alvin Kamara by fantasy owners, I just don't get it. Just No, pick you him and up. me both. This is insane. This is also on the Cooper Cup list of like insane <laughs> things that insane people are doing. Because you hate fantasy points if you hate Alvin Kamara. I'm sorry, it's that simple. He is far and away, bar none, the running back you want to own out of that backfield, and it's not close. He is the pass catcher on the third down backs, just like we were talking about with James White. He's the guy you want to own there. Ingram is the guy you would want on first and second down, I guess. But he's still splitting reps with AP. As much as they hate him, he's still getting in there and ruining Mark Ingram's value. It's like yep. Sean Payton just brought him in there just to d- with Mark Ingram some more. It's it's the hatred there that over that $20. Like that $20 yeah. that he owes Sean Payton just must have been to buy his kids medicine or something because Sean Payton just hates Mark Ingram with a fiery yes. passion. And now... He's just using AP to take it out on Mark Ingram, and it's uh, it's infuriating for everybody in that situation. Yeah, this is why I said don't invest in any of this except for Alvin Kamara, and I've been right this whole time. Yeah. I've been wrong a significant amount this season. Everybody is. This is one of the ones I nailed. Is AP just droppable? Do you, would you would you be like aghast if someone just cut AP? I wouldn't be shocked if someone cut AP. He's got no value right now. Before I dropped him. I would I would feel out, even if it was for someone like a, like a Donta Foreman, or oh yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get some sort of trade going for yeah, sure. Yeah, if, if I can trade AP on name value alone to somebody who's not paying attention, the same people that love Alan Hearns, if I could trade <laughs> AP to somebody <laughs> who's true. just like it's the same guy actually. Probably. Hey, I mean, hey, the, Adrian Peterson, he's the greatest running back of all time. If I can trade him to that guy then, yeah, I'm going out and making a move to get Peterson away for a bag take, of peanuts and an a, old ham sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll take a hard roll with some ketchup on it. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, like they're gonna, you, you got to not come off as super desperate if you're gonna try and trade him, because then someone they're gonna, you know, someone's gonna know what's up. But if you can't find somebody to trade him to, and Cooper Cup is on your waiver wire, by all means. Go ahead and drop AP for Cooper Cup. If Alvin Kamara and, uh, is on your waiver wire Alvin and you Kamara, own Adrian Peterson, that's an easy move. That's that the easiest easy roster move. move you'll make all year. Cut AP, get Kamara in your life, and your life becomes instantly better. It is a uh, division matchup, and Carolina struggled against what seemed to be a decent Bills defense on the road, but 
Is this Saints defense the cure for uh, Carolina's woeful offense the first couple weeks? I think so. It's been the cure for every other team's woeful offense. It's like laughter. It's the best medicine. The Saints defense. <laughs> it just makes everything better. Good I for think the soul. So. I, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, look, it's a division matchup, like I said, and these always play out weird. And oh, yeah. simply because of that fact and because I've gone completely crazy this week, I'm taking the Saints on the road. Because this is what Sean Payton and Drew yeah. Brees do. They win games they shouldn't. They got to get to yeah. seven and nine somehow. And somehow, it's, right. I mean, sure. they're not going to do that if they don't win some of these games. So I'm taking them on the road. Okay. Well, I don't, I'd love to know what crazy pills you you started taking. I'm going to take uh, Carolina at home, <laughs> uh, even though it's a wonky division game, just because the Saints' defense really is that bad. And, yeah, it's uh, terrible. I like Kelvin Benjamin to get in the end zone, even though he hasn't done a whole lot, like he never does. And uh, I think there's going to be one of those huge days from Christian McCaffrey that's just locked and loaded. Either that or Jay Stu is going to somehow snipe him in the goal line for two, or somehow Carolina is going to find a way to win this game even without Greg Olson. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing is for me in picking New Orleans is Greg Olson was the number one pass catcher, and I think him being out of that game is a lot of why they struggled is because they build a lot of their passing offense through him and the middle of the field. So without Greg Olson on the field, it's going to be an entirely different-looking offense for this week and the next few weeks for Carolina. And while they struggle to figure that out, I think I think the Saints might be able to take advantage. I think it's going to be a weird one, and I think Carolina is just going to find its way on top. Giants going to Philly to take on the Eagles. Philly struggled in Week 2, to be uh, to be kind. I still believe that they're better than they showed. I, I, I buy into the Eagles. So, I mean, you knew that I was on the Eagles in the preseason. I keep pounding the table for Carson Wentz, and people keep leaving him out there. I just don't understand that when Carson yeah. Palmer is still so owned out there in the leagues and people are holding, holding on to hope. Mitch Trubisky and Eli you know, Manning. Looks like Eli Manning, yeah. Bunch of leagues, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, they've played really well defensively, and against that – Giants front line. I mean, it it could be rough for Eli this week, rougher than it's already been. So the run game in Philly and really in New York, disaster on both sides of the ball. I don't want either part. I don't want any of it. No, I've been saying Paul Perkins was being overdrafted because their line is so bad. The, the Giants O-line is on par with how bad Seattle's line is. I don't think people really get that. Maybe they do now because we've got treated to it in prime time the last two weeks. It's just crippling the Giants. That and the Odell thing doesn't help either. But that's my question to you. The run game is a disaster. We knew that was going to be that way. But their line is so bad, they're getting Eli knocked around and can't move the ball. So that's my question to you. Are we, were we wrong about the Giants potentially in the offseason? Are the Giants just bad at football this year? Is Ben McAdoo not a good coach? Well, I think Ben McAdoo is, is not good as a coach, first of all. I think he got put in over his head when he was promoted to take over that job. That's number one. Uh, number two, I did look up, it, because we all know historically, Odell is a slow starter. Yes. And he is, when he first starts in the season, he put, doesn't put up a ton of points, isn't very effective. And then as he gets later through the year, he starts putting up huge numbers, big games. So I thought, hey, is it the same thing with Eli Manning? So I did a little research, and uh, from what I developed, 25 of the current starting quarterbacks made the list over the last three years, between their first four weeks of the season and then weeks 5 through 17. And the difference between how they started the year and how they finished the year. 
And with Eli Manning, he was number 14, right in the middle. The only quarterback who had literally zero difference between his first four weeks and his last last 12. So, no, he's not a slow starter. He's just he's just Eli Manning. He's just yep. a, he's just a middle of the road guy. The offense is not great. It's just they added Brandon Marshall, which is great to them offensively once he learns it. They added Evan Ingram, who's a rookie, which will be great for them once he learns it. But just like I said with the Titans struggling at the beginning of the year because they had to click and learn and figure out the new offense they were running, the same thing has to happen here. They need time to adjust and figure it all out. And for whatever reason right now, it just isn't clicking. And everybody wants to bash on the O-line, and the O-line has not been great. But Eli Manning is still getting four seconds on average to pass the ball. So it's not the O-line not giving him time. It's that he's not throwing it because his receivers aren't getting open. That's been the biggest issue for them right now. If they can get separation with Odell being healthy, I think that makes a difference for them. That's the only silver lining is that I don't think it can go down from where it is. Right. We'll see. For what it's worth, I have Philly in this game. Yeah, and everything would point to that, and I would take Philly here, but I have the Giants winning the division, and if they go 0-3, it makes that really difficult. <laughs> so I feel kind of pot committed to taking uh, the Giants see, in this game. I also had the Giants winning the division, and I'm just willing yeah. to sacrifice my preseason stuff for, uh, yeah, for no. glory. Look, I'm already em, dead so. last in the pigskin pick 'em, so I might as well just go. Yeah, you had a horrendous completely week crazy. Week, so, yeah. yeah, look, that's what I'm saying yeah, is you got, you got the, my first two weeks have week. been awful because my gut has been wrong. So I'm just going complete reverse gut this week, ah, and that's the George Costanza pays effect. Exactly, you've got it. I see. Exactly. I it, see. My okay, if every instinct that I have is wrong, then the opposite must be correct. Late afternoon game, Seattle heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Preview of the Super Bowl, obviously, because Titans, so much hype. <laughs> they showed up in a big way finally. Does this mean that they're here, or is it just the Jags being the Jags? And I think I know your answer already. Yeah, I, I think that's more the Jags being the Jags. And, yeah. Hey, you know what? You get a great opportunity to do it again against a much better defense. <laughs> yeah, prove it. You look great. Yeah. Prove it. You look, you look great. Do it again. I figured I know. Are you leaning to? I know your historic answer would be that you got Tennessee as a slow starter. Are you thinking they're putting it together a little bit faster than you anticipated? Maybe. No. Yeah, there you go. I'm just the Jags being the Jags. That's it. Division matchup. It's the Jags. I'm not buying too much into one good week for them. At the same time, the biggest issue for them was look. I mean, the most obvious handcuff in the entire fantasy draft was get Derrick Henry to go up with Demarco Murray. I mean, there was nothing more obvious than that. The issue with that, of course, is, you know, when DeMarco Murray goes down mid-game, then it doesn't really help you if you handcuffed him or not. So No, but it helps you for the future, at least. That's, so that's now, the whole point. Murray with a hamstring issue, also their first-round pick, Corey Davis, with a hamstring issue, which raises a red flag because he's had issues yeah. in the past. Manny. So uh, they still have thing. Decker and Rashard Matthews there, so that, in my opinion, doesn't Walker. affect uh, yeah, Mariota's value very much. It's just for him. If you're a Corey Davis investor, you shouldn't really have him as a starter yet anyway. If you yeah. did, good luck to you. But, I mean, I it's... Will. Go pick up Curse. Get some Curse action in your life. Be smart and get Cooper Cup, for the love of God. Yes, get Cooper Cup. Yeah, get Cooper Cup if he's there. I'm assuming he's not there, though, because I live in reality. Unlike yeah. some of these 40% of people that play this game. But uh, with Derrick Henry potentially being the guy... With Murray 
out, is Derrick Henry a top-tier running back? Yeah. I've been saying that for years. I would have to think so, right? He goes immediately into the top ten. Jordan Howard was universally ranked somewhere around, like, number five. I was going to say four, so four and or five. And David yeah. Johnson, number one. One, yeah. So you got two guys out. DeMarco off. Murray came into the season as seven because of that yep. volume and that offensive line. Theoretically, he would move up with those two injuries into the five slot, and if Henry, we're saying, is a younger guy who's just as much of a monster and could very easily have the same skill set, if not more, yeah. He could be a top yeah. five running could be, back. I mean, I can't make the argument for very many guys that I'd rather have. It's a very short list. In all seriousness, is it, is it not Le'Veon Bell, Zeke, Shady? Melvin Gordon, maybe. Probably Melvin Gordon. And then Derrick Henry. Yeah, the only preseason guy be... ranked ahead of Murray that we didn't list there was Jay Ajayi. Okay, so maybe, maybe he's so six. Maybe five, six. six. Yeah, I mean, you're going, if you if you were smart enough to get them both, I think you're fine if Murray's going to miss some extended time and then potentially get Wally Pipp. Moving on to the other side with Seattle, I mean, first of all, you called it last week, Eddie Lacy completely done. He didn't even dress. Coach's decision. I hate to applaud, I hate to applaud that, but <laughs> I was I threw the looking glass on that one. I reached into the future. He's done. Last week, the majority of carries, despite Thomas Rawls being back, went to Chris Carson, so he's clearly the man needs to be right picked again. up and owned in all leagues. The question is, do you buy it as him being the guy all to himself, or was it just simply they wanted to ease Rawls back into it off of his injury, and they're still going to give you know Procise and Rawls another shot at that job, and it's still a running back by committee there? Oh, that's a tough one. They do like Rawls when he's healthy, but that's really the problem with Thomas Rawls is that when he's healthy part. Because the biggest issue with them forever was when Marshawn Lynch was out, it became Rawls. And then Procise mm-hmm. popped up out of nowhere, and then it was, oh, do I start Rawls or Procise or wh- which one sure. do I go with? There was a Christian Michael situation there, too, where the rotating backs, just whoever had the hot hand constantly, we thought Lacey would kind of clear that up. And then Rawls took over the starting job, and then Lacey doesn't even suit up, immediately is off the team. It's just so up in the air. I think the guy I like the most off the list is still Carson. Procise I view as the change of pace back in the third down back, so I think we kind of know what his job is. And then Thomas Rawls gets killed if you give him 15 touches a game. He gets a lot out of those 15 touches, but then something inevitably seems to go ping. And as much as I do not care for Pete Carroll's style, the one thing I will say about him is he does go with that hot hand approach and even though you may not be the guy with the pedigree if you're playing well then he will play you so it could potentially if he gets hot and continues to stay hot and stay healthy he could have a shot at kind of beating out the other guys and getting a significant amount of that work so last week in terms of just like pure attempts it was carson got 20 rawls got five in terms of snaps it was carson 51 rawls 16 procise also got 16 i think i they were just easing rawls back in and while i don't think it was a fluke that chris carson went off there and i do think they like his talent i'm afraid we're going to get back into a similar scenario where it's going to be closer to on a weekly basis maybe 12 or 13 attempts for carson and 9 or 10 for rawls and it's really split down the middle and it's just keeping both of their legs fresh for an entire game and an entire season, which kind of dilutes 
any value for either one of them. It is entirely possible. So that's why I kind of couched what I was saying earlier with you got to watch Rawls on the injury report. Yeah. Because if I could see what you're saying if both of them are healthy. Yep. If all three of these guys are actually healthy, I could see it being very similar to that. That all goes away if Rawls is on the injury report where he seems to find himself quite a bit. All right, pigskin pick them. I got the Seahawks. Yeah, so do I. Next game, joke game. <laughs> Cincinnati going to Green Bay. Packers wide receivers, I mean, banged up at the end of that game. Our prayers and thoughts with David, because that was, whew, that was brutal to, to have that much of a lead and then to lose Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Lose Has anyone sent points. David a text message? Are we sure that he's okay? Yeah, wellness check. No, I'm not sure. Uh, Someone do a wellness check on David. Get back. He's to rocking back and forth in the fetal position somewhere. But as for the Packers wide receivers themselves, Jordy Nelson said he's 50-50. Randall Cobb looks like he is going to be a go. Does it increase anyone's value, hurt anyone's value if Jordy doesn't go? I don't know. It's kind of like, is Randall Cobb going to play? Is right. he also still beat up? Because that changes that answer too. So if Jordy and Cobb aren't out there, Ty Montgomery, in theory, should go up, but he's going to draw additional coverage, so he might go up a little bit. Do you mean Devontae Adams? I kind of mean Ty Montgomery and Devontae Adams. You would think they'll both draw some additional coverage in their own way. You know what I mean? Because those are the two guys you'd have to account for at that point. So maybe Martellus Bennett gets some additional love because just, they just won't cover him. I know one person who would be incredibly happy to hear that, but I feel like it's too hard to predict. You know, there's so many moving pieces. Yeah, I think I have no issue starting Ty Montgomery because I think well, yeah, that they go that. up big and then they run. So I have no issue with that. And they may lean more on the running game if they can't pass all their targets. The biggest issue when Jordy Nelson was out that one season is Rodgers' numbers dipped because he loves to throw to Jordy, and it's his, like, safety blanket pretty much. It goes back to that same year, though. You had Randall Cobb, who essentially became the number one, and then Devontae Adams ended up having a big year because everyone focused in on Cobb and he couldn't take it. It's the same thing here. I think it kind of hurts the value of Randall Cobb if Nelson doesn't play. Maybe it flip-flops. Maybe Adams gets the double coverage where Cobb doesn't. But we saw it last week when Jordy was out. Cobb was the guy that got the majority of the targets and was the majority of the focus from Aaron Rodgers. Then when he left, that's when Adams started producing and putting up a bunch of points. So I still believe they hate tight ends, and I don't know if it so much helps Martellus Bennett, but... It would also help Martellus Bennett. Yeah, I would, I would say the one guy I'm not worried about is Ty Montgomery, especially because they could always put him outside and let him wind right. up as a slot-wide receiver let and him pass play it to him that again. way. Yeah. So I think it helps his value almost if, if Jordy isn't there because they may lean on him more and it kind of hurts the other wideouts. Even though there's less mouths to feed, I think Jordy being out there drawing the coverage he does is what gets them open and gets them a value to begin with. So it kind of hurts everybody on that offense, other than Ty Montgomery if he can't play. But again, it's the Bengals, so they'll probably all go off anyway. It doesn't really matter. Bengals are hot garbage. They got rid of their offensive coordinator because got to blame somebody, right? They had to. It's always the weirdest move in sports because you've spent all off season prepping for this entire season running this playbook, and now you get rid of the guy running the playbook, so you're going to change the whole yep. offense midseason. It doesn't work that way. So it's still the same offense. They're just calling the plays in a different order. Mm-hmm. Does that make any kind of a difference to you for the Bengals? No, I think you summed it up with hot garbage. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers For me, Andy Dalton is still you know a trash absolutely if you're desperate qb2 
If you're in a two QB league Bi-week filling and in you head, need too. somebody to fill in because you're looking to get QB 24, Andy Dalton's your guy. <laughs> I don't. I think uh... in a game where they should be trailing by a bunch, he's going to throw it a bunch, and AJ Green still has legitimate value. The rest of their wide receivers, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I'd rather have – at this point, I'd almost rather have Curse than any of those guys. And for God's sakes, Cooper Cup over any of it. <laughs> Please. That's the theme of this. I will keep banging this drum until he is 95% owned. It is just obscene that that man is not owned in all leagues. Last note on this. Uh, I got the Packers, and uh, the Bengals' defense is actually still a decent week-to-week streaming option. I just not this week, obviously. But uh, their defense, actually, now that people are finally coming back from suspension, including their best player will be back soon for on defense, they actually look decent. So not this week, but they got some real cupcake games coming up uh, the next two weeks after this one. Yeah, good future streamer, just not a week three streamer. Yep. So, yeah, Packers for sure and Lambeau. Chiefs playing the Chargers should be a good battle. If it wasn't for Young Way Koo, the 2-0 and Los Angeles Chargers taking on the 2-0 and Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs continue to roll, but again, this revamped offense, I said it before, they love to flash in the first couple weeks of the season and then just fizzle out and go back to their same mediocre selves. Are you buying this, that it's changed, or is this the same old, same old? It's the same old, same old with a couple new wrinkles thrown in. Like, they're doing a couple things differently. For the moment, I'm buying on Casey as I have been, you know, since the preseason. I'm not one of the people that was too worried about them regressing all the way back to the mean. It was like, you know, no, no, the, the Chiefs are going to pack it in because of what they lost on defense. I was, I'm more cynical about that now because of Eric Berry. Yeah, I still believe Eric Berry will eventually catch up to them there. Yeah, because that was one of the places you could hang your hat, saying at least they still got this guy, and and he's an all-star, but ooh, that, that hurts bad when he's not playing. So this is a tougher game to call, because as we were talking about, the Chargers are kind of moving the ball. So I'm going to go with Casey to open 3-0, and as I've had all the way in the preseason. This is where I'm kind of pot committed, because this is one of the ones where I feel zero confidence about it, though. I had it that way to going in, so I'm going to stick with it, but... Oh, boy. Would it not shock me at all to see the Chargers offense come out and just get rolling and the Chiefs get thrown back on their heels, which they haven't experienced yet this year, and it all goes sideways. Yeah, I mean, look, Kareem Hunt has looked spectacular in the first two weeks. and We already said he's a stud. He should have been picked up anyway. I I stand by he was an RB2. I still think he'll finish that way. I don't think he's going to finish as the RB1 he's flashing as right now. We'll see about that. Looks fantastic. He's a strong, strong candidate for it, though. He looks great. That being said, the Chargers have looked spectacular through the first two weeks, forgetting the first three quarters of that Broncos game. <laughs> the, the offense has clicked and come together. I mean, the defense has played well, as I figured they would, and if it weren't, like you said, if it wasn't for two missed kicks, they'd be a 2-0 and team right now. It's a team I had going to the playoffs that I still buy into, And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are exactly the team that tried to lose a 14-point lead to the Eagles at the end of that game last week in a matter of 11 (laughs) seconds. They did everything they could to lose that game and barely held on at home. I've got the Chargers winning the game in L.A. Like I said, not super shocking. Sunday night, Oakland heads to Washington. It's the Raiders and the Redskins. So it's start your Raiders. At the same time, Jordan Reed continues to be the most injured man in America. His inability to stay on the field is what always affects his fantasy value. 
but I don't know. At tight end, you're so desperate right now. Are you really going away from it? Three quarters of Jordan Reed is probably better than anything you've got available on the waiver wire. I was going to say, what is what's your other option on the waiver wire that you're so super excited about that that you're going to bench Jordan Reed, Charles yeah, Clay, exactly. maybe? So if you're one of those leagues that has Austin Hooper still out there, maybe Austin Hooper. Maybe he gets lucky and catches an 80-yard breakaway again for you. I mean, right? Yes, yeah. but it, I mean that could, that's that's literally a dice roll. As for the rest of the Washington offense, a lot of hype coming into the preseason about Terrell Pryor and. The, the remade offense with the oh, guys yeah. leaving, is the offense itself something you're concerned about, or do you think they'll right the ship here? This is another one where it's like, well, I don't see how it's going to get a whole lot worse. They look completely flat and terrible. So barring Jordan Reed being injured in some sort of permanent manner, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know how you're going to make this team play worse than it already was. Are you, as a Kirk Cousins owner, are you worried about Kirk Cousins? Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, – I will circle back to the Eli Manning discussion from before, the same uh, research I did on that. The 25 starting QBs in the league, comparing the first four games of the season to their last 12. And over the last three years, uh, Kirk Cousins averaged being QB 19 through the first four weeks and through the last 12, QB 6, which is the largest uh, difference of any quarterback in the league. So he always starts slow and finishes strong. This is another scenario like with Crowell. If you can find someone that owns Kirk Cousins and maybe they have another quarterback option, maybe they're panicking and looking for a different quarterback for some reason. Maybe they got Carson Wentz off waivers and they're thinking, all right, well now, you know, Cousins is my backup and I'm going to go in with someone else and they're, they're completely panicked. If you can buy low on Kirk Cousins, this is a good time to do it because Against that Raiders secondary, he, he could have a real good week this week. And like I said, I think he's primed to have a good rest of this season. You mentioned Fat Rob being out. So now it's Samaje Perrine clearly is the first and second down back, probably the goal line guy as well. But Chris Thompson, whoo, the weekend he had, my goodness, made some great catches and then just flew downfield to score a few touchdowns last week. He's still their third down guy. They're going to get him involved in the passing game just as much as they have. But they've said it's, you know, Perrine and Fat Rob's job, either one, depending on who's playing. Uh, Thompson's role shouldn't expand, but he's a guy like Duke Johnson that you want to have in PPR settings. But is Perrine someone that you're overly interested in if he gets the job to himself? Potentially, just because we've talked about running back has just gone way south. So, yeah. If you're telling me he's going to be the guy and he's going to get... Yeah, you're saying in a vacuum, you would love to have Samaje Perrine. In a vacuum, I would love to have Samaje Perrine. So much so that I waiver-claimed him for my running back trash team in the Golden League this year. Uh, I felt like I had no other option, to be honest, because if he's going to get those snaps and he's going to play, you got to give him a look. volume, volume, volume. Volume, 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 exactly. And then Chris Thompson is a fantastic player. Just always be aware of the Chris Thompson uh, shelf life issue that seems to exist. He's great when he's healthy. He is just not healthy that often. Yeah, Chris Thompson, the man I affectionately referred to as the Deshaun Jackson of running backs. Yes, very much give you accurate. you a fantastically gigantic 2 or a 27. Yep. There's really no in-between. And it's he just he's either a, a huge part of the offense the game and not play at all. Not and that's much, the other yeah. thing. So just <laughs> pigskin pick him. I've got the Raiders 
holding serve, getting the three and zero. Oh yeah, I've got the Raiders just taking a steel pipe to the R's. <laughs> those potatoes, you love those potatoes. Those Redskins, Cowboys, potatoes. Cardinals, Monday Night Football. What a dumpster fire this is going to be. Again, in the preseason, when you're making the schedule, you're looking at this like, oh man, that's going to be a great Monday night. Look at that. And then by week three, ESPN saying, why can't we flex again? What was yeah. that? What, wait, I can't flex this? Oh, man. What, you, told, you told me I can't get Oakland and Washington on Monday night? <laughs> Give me that KC-LA so, game. Arizona looking horrendous, and the fact that they're without David Johnson is probably going to be the story of this for a while now. So the running game looked just as bad as we figured it might, and the make-anyone-but-Larry-beat-us defense was in full effect, and even the Colts were able to execute that pretty effectively. So they're putting five guys on Larry Fitzgerald and saying, anybody else, do whatever you want, which made J.J. Nelson relevant. But if you're a Larry Fitz owner, are you concerned? I am a Larry Fitz owner, and uh, if you'll pardon my four-letter word, hell yeah, I'm concerned. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's their whole team now. It's old man Larry, and he's awesome still at football, but he can't beat five guys you know it doesn't even matter that the colts don't even have real defenders and half of those guys were actually scarecrows that were on like motorized carts they were driving around i mean it, it it's not good i'm i was very high on larry fitz coming into this season and uh now i am having significant concerns about that being a, a good investment long term yeah like i said he went from being a solid wide receiver two to probably a solid wide receiver three slash flex and the more this goes on until they can figure out a run game or at least someone else that's a threat, the more you have to be concerned. J.J. Nelson real or is that just a mirage? Are you interested in J.J. Nelson? If Deshaun Jackson wasn't a wide receiver, J.J. Nelson would be the Deshaun Jackson of wide receivers. <laughs> Very true. J.J. Nelson is so boomer bust and the thing that you're overlooking is that they played the Colts. Of That's course he flashed against the Colts because it's the Colts. Yep, with no Vontae Davis, their only good defender. So while Dallas's defense isn't spectacular, do I buy J.J. Nelson as a fantasy-relevant wide receiver week in and week out? No, of course not. I buy it as much as I buy Deshaun Jackson being a reliable target week in and week out, which is no. And I put it in the waiver article this week. J.J. Nelson's a decent ad if... You're going into Monday night football, or you're going into, say, Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, whatever, and you're down by 20, 30 points. And you're like, well, I only got one spot left. I'm going to bench the guy I've got started and start J.J. Nelson, because he's your home run hitter. He'll sure, give you two, yeah. or he'll give you 30. He is your he is your swing for the fences guy, whereas he's not going to give you the consistency you need to put him in a starting lineup every week. And Palmer just looks done. He, does. he looks like he's already golfing. Yep. He's going to be really good at golfing, too. We're going to talk about him on the... Uh, yeah, the Big Swingers podcast. Yeah, he's going to be pod. Yeah, part of that. We're going to have to get Carson for that. Like, do you think in May, once the NFL draft was over and they didn't take any quarterbacks, he just went into the GM's office like, really? Do you want me to do this for how much longer? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sticking like, with my theory. He's done a lot of good things for Arizona since he's been there, and they've done good things for him. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'm going to repay you guys for giving me another shot after I looked so terrible in Oakland that I was almost I'm going to go out there week in and week out, and I'm just going to throw the ball to the other team as much as I possibly can. 
lose you as many games as possible without looking like we're losing as many right, games as possible. Right. And, and you can have Sam Darnold. I mean, that's my the, swan song, my swan song to Arizona. This is, basically. this is his repayment to Arizona is here you go. H- have a better quarterback than what I, I get. Yeah, yeah. That's a good theory. Actually, my, his final, just like your final farewell. I'm going to go back to my same defend my preseason guys. I had Arizona as an upstart team this yeah. season as a huge comeback trail. And you know what? Going After the, the well, Cowboys right. just got shellacked by Trevor Simeon last week, I'm going Cardinals at home on Monday night. It's not that crazy. It's really not. I'm going with Dallas because I'm going back to the well on Zeke's going to just take you to town. They're not even going to try and throw the ball. By the way, speaking of the Cowboys, if you are for some reason somebody that owns Stumpy as your tight end <laughs> and he's currently the number one rated tight end, trade Stumpy you would trade that can. so hard. Trade you need to so go trade hard. Stumpy if you have if him. If you didn't yield my advice and drop him yeah. last week like you absolutely should have, yeah. trade now you him need to go trade him. now. He just get whatever broke you can. all those records last week for them where he's like suited up more games. He officially has played more games as a Cowboy than anybody else. If you still think Stumpy is going to be your long-term tight end, I wish you luck. And also, I would love to know how you have a complete lack of context in history. And that's it. That's it for this week's previews. So uh, we're going to go right into the Golden League update here. If you're disembarking on this journey with us at this point, we'll, uh, thanks for listening. Of course, I am Steve Bonham at Nonsense underscore Steve. you got Neil at Nonsense underscore Neil. Or Important Nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. Hit us up anywhere, anytime. Let us know how much you love the show. If you have you know critical comments, don't, don't bring me that. But, I mean, if you want <laughs> positive ego-building comments, then yes, we yeah, bring yeah. as many of those as you possibly can. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, for everybody else sticking around, here comes the Golden League update. We're only going to get hate mail. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. I love gold! On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Down goes Frazier. Tony knocks out the champ. Ah. The upset of the century. Kangaroo the court. The shot heard round the world. <laughs> oh, man. Whew. What a weekend. The loss of Greg Olson hurts him not only for one week to fall to one and one, but potentially for the season. Like we said, the thin roster, if he takes injuries, it could be trouble. He's still the favorite. But the gap gap has clearly been closed now as Paul Cousera, returning his first year back since 2008, takes over the number one spot. Congratulations, Paul, number one in the power rankings. After another impressive victory, uh, he is now 2-0, 242.1 points. It's literally exactly tied with Flynn for the second most points scored in the league. Moves up to number one. Flynn dips to two. Brian, after uh, getting back on the winning track, because I, I, I forgot to report this earlier, but Brian said he only sacrificed six or seven goats. Oh, okay. To get that oh, man. Uh, I that it was situation, at least a Baker's dozen. that miracle situation. So he somehow survives against David to get to one and one. Because what a disaster that would have been to have all those picks, draft that team, and fall to zero and two. I mean, it would have been typical Brian, but still, <laughs> well, no, to super lose fan when you Brian. score like 138 points also would be yeah. typical Brian. To somehow find a way to lose when you so score like the second highest sweaty, point yeah, in the league. Exactly. So Brian. One and one is in third. 
Uh, I got the victory last week by point nine to get up to one and one. Sorry, Neil. I'm still not done vomiting. <laughs> up I had that in the four. bag, viewers, and then Julio Jones on the last play of the game caught that pass that meant nothing, and I lost because of point nine because of bonus points. Yep. Oh, Sandman, despite like the victory, falls a spot from four to five. And again, that's simply because he's 2-0, and oh, yes, but he has the second lowest points scored in the league and far and away the, the lowest, lowest points against. against. Yeah. So uh, eventually you feel like that might catch up to him, but the 2-0 and oh start certainly where you'd like to be. The record's on uh, the, right, you're the right spot, so... Yeah, you're at six, that one and one. Then Tony moves up two spots to seven for knocking out the number one team. David slips one spot to eight after the very close loss we mentioned before. For those that don't know what we're actually referring to, David had a lead of 17 points going into that final game of something like, or seven points, sorry, seven points going into the final game. And Brian had Devonta Freeman, and David had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. And uh, Devonta Freeman gave him enough points with the injuries. Yep. Because of of Jordy Nelson, Nelson did not play to, uh, the entire to overcome game the deficit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that did it. Yeah, yeah it's brutal. That's but brutal. David, after a, uh, a brutal loss, has 248 points, leads the league in scoring, and is one and one in eighth. Uh, Flint Senior moves up two spots after his victory over Kevin to get to one and one. In 10th, it is Kevin after that loss, falling two spots back to 10th where he started the year. And then in 11th, Matt Herrick moving down one. Lisa remains in 12th, both teams at 0-2. So Lisa and Matt both 0-2. Paul and Sandman both 2-0. We talked about this last year, the importance of the uh, the undefeated and the winless starts. Teams that start 3-0 as they both look forward to their matchups this week are 88% chance to make the playoffs. Only two teams have ever missed the playoffs after a 3-0 and start. Teams that are 0-2, so teams that finish, or start the year 0-3, I should say, 5%. Only one of 19 teams has ever recovered to make the playoffs from an 0-3 start. So some critical games for those teams this weekend. Lisa drawing number 7, Tony. Matt getting you. So good luck, Matt. And then uh, the Sandman gets number eight, David. So he has a legit shot to go to uh, to three and zero there, which would be extremely interesting. But our game of the week, two and zero, Paul, number one taking on number two, Flynn, a top two showdown. Yeah, easily game of the week here. That's a very good looking matchup this weekend. So uh, I will be interested to see how both teams do there. Yeah, just like what we talked about with the NFL earlier, points you know per game. Across the board, down 109.5 points per game so far this season in the Golden League per team, obviously. Last year, the average was 124.5. Yeah, yeah we say you so try to score 130 down. every week, and we're not even getting close to that. Yeah, and three years ago, to put it in context, in 2014, 103.9 points per game was the average. That's the last time it was this low and that was the year we had 14 teams in the league. So it was a depleted <laughs> oh, yeah, group you were benches. pulling from. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. So the that deep oh, benches. yeah. I remember that. So, yeah, the 109.5, really low for fantasy. That was the man-style format board. where you had to know, like, all the rosters for all the teams just yeah, to do anything. Everybody. 
deep dives. Yeah, you had to know because at some point that guy might be relevant. Personally, I'm going to also, just to throw it out there, I'm going to have my eye on the matchup between uh, yourself and our good friend Kevin McCarthy because if I'm around to listen to the commentary, the running commentary that goes on, the trash talk, ladies and gentlemen, in the private server between those two when they have to play each other every year is just get some popcorn and just and just kind of relax and, and enjoy those two just ripping each other apart the whole day. So I don't know if it's so much trash talk as it is just like emo building the other guy up. <laughs> it's just like... No, no, you're going to win you're because my win. team is horrendous. Uh-huh. No, 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 you're going to win yeah. because no, my no, team I couldn't have, be I worse. I have Martellus Bennett. I'm not going to win. <laughs> well, all I know is uh, every time I play Kevin, Julio Jones goes off for about 60 points. So I got that Which makes me insanely to. happy, by the way. So yeah. I could really stand for one of those this week. That would really uh, help me out is that I'm right about Detroit's defense not being what they looked like. <laughs> On Monday night, and Matt Ryan just lights it up to Julio Jones for like 300 yards and three scores. That would really make my night. Last year, I beat Kevin by one point, and I'm pretty sure it was because Julio had a 55, and the rest of my team did horrible that yeah, week. That if it wasn't for right. that 55, <laughs> I never would have had a chance. And uh, I'm not sure Kevin talked to me for a couple of days after that. So, yeah, no, fantasy I, football I, ruining friendships as usual. <laughs> so, keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> We'll be talking to you guys next week. Again, make sure to keep up with us on the every social media platform that you can find out there, through the Twitter, through our message board. And that's it. That's the only social media platforms we care about. So, yeah, those, that's those it. social that's media That's where platforms. you can go. I'm not doing, we're not mm-hmm. managing anymore. We're only, we have limited. There's only two of us. Yeah, exactly. It's two-man operation, people. Get real. So, uh, yeah, again, for everybody, thank you for listening. We appreciate it greatly. And then, uh, until we talk to you again next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.